Hi, I'm Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And I'm Laura Booker, a professor at Vanderbilt University's Peabody College. Welcome to the third episode of our second season of the 10th period. The 10th period is a podcast designed to bring you up to speed on the latest education research in the state of Tennessee. Uh, And on each episode, we cover a particular research study that's been done. We talk about uh, the impact of the research on education. We talk with some educators in the field about how they think we can apply the research. Um, And so this episode, we're going to get into talking a little bit about teacher mentors and teacher preparation. And so um, we're really excited to think about what the impact of training and mentors has been for teachers in the state of Tennessee and to think a little bit about what it means in this time period. Yeah, Erin, I'm really excited to talk about this research today because this is research when I started working at the Tennessee Department of Education seven years ago um, that I really got started working with. Um, Matthew Ronfeld, who's a professor at the University of Michigan, had just started working with Tennessee, um, thinking about how we use our data around teacher preparation to try to improve the quality of educator preparation for teachers in Tennessee to try to improve then um, the student achievement of the students who have those teachers. So we're going to be talking actually with Matt today and also with Kevin Shaw from the Tennessee Department of Education. Um, And Kevin and Matt have been working together now for several years examining promising practices to strengthen mentorship of uh, teachers as they're going through their teacher educator preparation program. Programs. We're also going to be talking to Kaylor Harrison, who is a fourth grade teacher at Andrew Jackson Elementary in Kingsport. And we're finally going to have on Michael Durline and Martha Moore. Uh, and Michael and Martha have also been working on this work for a number of years. Uh, they both work with Kevin and Matt um, through this research at the Tennessee Department of Education. So we've got a stacked lineup today, and it's a topic that I think really has meaning for Tennessee, but also, you know, all states are preparing beginning teachers and trying to think about how we do this more effectively and whether there are certain policies that we can implement or trainings we can implement um, to to do this more effectively. And Laura, so teachers um, in Tennessee, before you can become a teacher, you, um, there are a variety of sort of requirements. And one of those requirements is having this kind of clinical mentorship experience, having an in-person learning opportunity. Um, At the moment, that's probably happening in some places virtually as well, uh, where student teachers are uh, in a classroom, in a classroom setting with teachers and learning on the job. Um, and I know it's it's different in different places. There are sometimes um, different teacher preparation programs have longer experiences, shorter experiences. They think differently about how they're partnering with districts. Uh, districts can have different requirements around who can become a mentor, how you might think about mentoring. And, and that was some, some of the basis, as I understand it, of, of this particular research. And we'll talk to Kevin and, uh, and Matt a little bit more about that. But when you were a beginning teacher, Did you have a clinical mentorship experience and what was that like for you? So I taught second grade more than a decade ago uh, in the Mississippi Delta and I was trained through Teach for America, um, an alternative certification program. So I did not go through the kind of standard uh, undergraduate teacher preparation, but I did um, have some mentors through Teach for America and through the school where I was placed that really were foundational for helping me 
um, understand what effective teaching looks like and observing me and giving me feedback on how to improve my own teaching practices. Um, I would even go actually observe um, some of them teaching or they would model lessons with my students um, about how to teach. And I also want to mention I have my um, my niece um, who's been visiting with us right now and my niece has just finished her first year of teaching. She was trained through an educator preparation program here in Tennessee and I was asking her about what this looks like for her as she was going through her program. Um, the year before last and she said everything I know I learned from my mentor teacher, um, you know, the semester that she spent with a veteran teacher while she was in her senior year of college she feels like was the thing that really set her up to be ready to take on her own classroom. Yeah, and I think that that experience is probably true. I was never a teacher. I think actually I will be the only person on the podcast today who had not been, has not been in a classroom, uh, K-12. I've done some teaching in the higher ed environment, but uh, K-12 classroom teacher. But I think for all of us, that learning on the job experience, that having someone show us sort of how show us the ropes, help us learn as we go is so important. So I'm excited to jump into this. Um, and so we'll get into talking with Matt and Kevin about the background of their search. So joining us now, we have Matt Ronfelt from the University of Michigan and Kevin Schaff from the Tennessee Department of Education, who have been um, the co-leads of this study. Um, and we're really excited to have both of them here to talk about uh, what we've learned from the Mentors Matter Initiative. Kevin and Matt, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Matt, um, we'll start with you. Since we're talking about early career mentors and you were a teacher, and I know Kevin, you were as well, and we'll, we'll want to hear from both of you on this, but do you have any particular memories of your mentor experience, your student teaching experience? Yeah, as a middle school teacher, I actually had three incredible mentor teachers, Carlos Cabana, Phil Tucker, and Ada Wada. Uh, my first student teaching placement was especially rich. I, I actually co-taught with another student teacher in a ninth grade math classroom in California in a school that served mostly lower income students of color. Carlos and Phil were actually the math department heads and they led the department using cooperative learning approaches to teach mathematics and like engaging in cognitively demanding ways. So I was actually able to observe Carlos every day and try to adopt and adapt his curriculum and pedagogy like a day or two later. So I was teaching, you know, a couple of days behind him. And then Phil, my other mentor, observed me um, regularly and gave feedback on my efforts. So I experienced the power of having mentors who are both effective models and coaches, something that I think our initiatives uh, and specifically the Mentors Matter initiatives are trying to offer Tennessee program completers today. That's awesome. Kevin, what about you? The two that stand out to me were uh, Carol Wright. Uh, she really provided a model of how to engage students in her third grade class. And uh, I did my student teaching with her um, in my sec second round of starting teaching. And then um, years later, I got what I consider the most effective piece of crucial critical feedback from an assistant principal, Steve Richardson, who really tied that feedback back to how do you change? How do you make a change that's gonna address this, this issue? And um, those two things really stood out to me, both for the, the power of it, but also for the fact that um, I didn't have that consistently throughout my uh, teaching. And I think what these initiatives are really trying to do is provide a, a systematic approach to making sure that all teachers get 
um, strong modeling and strong uh, feedback from, from their uh, mentors. Matt, can you start us off by, um, you know, talking about what the research y'all have been doing in this area is and what have you been finding? I've had the great fortune of uh, working with the uh, TDOE and Tennessee programs um, since 2013. So we've got a lot of takeaways, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, so our partnership work began with analyses of historical data and based upon what we learned from those, we collaborated on developing the Mentors Matter initiatives, which aim to improve clinical preparation statewide. Uh, I'm going to summarize the historical analyses quickly and then uh, say a bit about Mentors Matter initiatives. Um, in terms of the historical analyses, we found that recent program completers from Tennessee teacher education programs are more instructionally effective when they had learned to teach with more instructionally effective clinical mentors. Um, and recently, more recently, experimental evidence suggests that that relationship is causal, meaning that um, the more instructionally effective mentors cause program completers to be more instructionally effective. We also found that teachers who serve as mentors received at least as strong, if not stronger, evaluations in years that they served as mentors as compared to other years. Some teachers worry they will receive worse evaluation scores in years they serve as mentors, so our findings suggest they shouldn't worry at all. This led to the uh, Mentors Matter initiatives. First is the recruitment initiative, which aims to increase instructional effectiveness of the pool of teachers who serve as mentors, and then the training initiative, which aims to cultivate higher quality coaching practices among those mentors. Um, in terms of the recruitment initiative, we found it's possible to meaningfully increase the uh, instructional effectiveness of the pool of teachers who serve as mentors by using evaluation information from prior years to target their recruitment. Uh, and we found that the program completers working with these mentors also felt better prepared to teach. Regarding the training initiative that, um, that, we, that, that the state developed in collaboration with others, we found it impacted the coaching practices of mentors who attended the trainings. Candidates paired with those mentors reported receiving more frequent data-driven and modeling coaching practices. Uh, additionally, mentors who attended the training really appreciated the quality of the training and having opportunities to focus on coaching practices. However, we also learned that even with compensation and uh, covering substitute costs and travel, et cetera, it's really difficult for mentors to attend training during the school year they're serving as mentors on top of a full-time teaching position, which is really challenging. Um, the, we're now looking at the impacts of the training on mentors and candidates' instruction, uh, um, and that's uh, that's to to some you know we haven't figured it out yet, but uh, stay tuned. We should have some findings soon. Kevin, when you think about the findings to date. Um, and then also about sort of the impact of those findings on what type of research um, feels important from the department perspective next. What are, your, what are your thoughts? The three things that stand out to me is that summing up what we've done or what, what we're hoping to do and, and where we are is we, I think we're on the cusp of, of solving two critical problems for new teachers, which is one, are we picking the very best people to serve as their mentors? And I think we're looking at the data that we have, trying to find the best evidence we have to select and provide uh, that data to, to district leaders, um, to EPPs, educator preparation uh, programs, and, and then be able to give them that data in a way they can understand it so they, they can clearly see who are the, the most instructionally effective teachers and how do we make sure we're, we're selecting those people for this crucial role of mentoring our new teachers. And then secondly, 
are we giving those mentors support? Do we have a curriculum of any sort for them? Do we have training and resources to, that guide them in this, in this role? Because they, as teachers, they weren't trained in how to teach other teachers, how to teach adults. They, they, they haven't been given that support. And so we need to develop that and provide that for them. And if we can do those two things, I think um, we're gonna make a, a great deal of progress in the preparation uh, of new teachers. Um, which means really the future of the entire state. What is coming next in terms of research uh, in this partnership of trying to learn how we better prepare new teachers? So uh, one of the things is we want to examine um, the initiatives that are already in place, the Mentors Matter initiatives in particular, and look at the impacts those initiatives may have on program completers employment and early career instructional effectiveness but also on um, mentors' uh, own instructional effectiveness. We're wondering if when they attend the training on how to coach others, they, if they may improve in their own practice. Um, we also wanna to continue to examine the mechanisms by which these initiatives may impact program completers and specifically the roles that modeling versus coaching may play. And um, finally, we're, uh, we're trying, we recently pr proposed to, um, uh, proposals related to um, COVID uh, and 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 specifically student teaching in the COVID era. One um, uh, we hope to get funded is looking at how the pandemic impacted last year's cohort of program completers in Tennessee and specifically their clinical preparation. And then the second with uh, Megan Shaughnessy and Julie Cohen um, is one where we're hoping to develop a mentor coaching professional development program that can be purely virtual and uses mixed reality simulation so mentors can attend the professional development at home on their phones during times that are convenient. And then we hope to study the impacts of that virtual professional development. Matt, can you talk a little bit about just the where these results fit in sort of the broader um, work that you and others have done around teacher preparation and, and what you think makes this work particularly important? I guess one of the main things is that, um, you know, Tennessee was ahead of the curve in setting minimum levels of instructional effectiveness for teachers to serve as mentors. Um, so, you know, a, a, a really big, I think, implication of the work is um, to set high standards for instructional effectiveness like those in Tennessee for teachers to serve as mentors. And I think it's hopefully going to serve as a model for other states. Um, uh, you know, another, I think, you know, big takeaway from the work is uh, to make sure that mentor recruiters have access to the information on instructional facts and the S and years of experience to identify and recruit potential mentors. So, Kevin, what are you excited about in terms of next steps for this, not just from the research perspective, but actually from the potential impact practice? The key things I would say that are next. Um, is that we really wanna make sure we capture the learning we've had through these initiatives, the research, so that we can um, provide that to everyone. And I think the, the work that Kayler's probably gonna to talk to you about it as a facilitator is the, the beginning of that. So I'm really excited about that. And the other thing is just to really look critically at the gaps of what we haven't done. So um, I think looking at that area, we have not um, trained enough uh, teachers of color as mentors in, in who, and where we've partnered. And that's just been, um, a, uh, you know, a, something that's happened through the partnerships that have happened to, that we've happened to, to work on, but we need to really address that and make sure that the, the training um, 
addresses uh, th those issues as well and be able and is able to not only provide people with strong modeling and strong uh, feedback, but also um, be able to help teachers develop uh, in terms of culturally responsive pedagogy. So those are the things that, that I'm really um, focused on taking this to the next step and making sure that all of our new teachers um, get the, the, the preparation that they deserve and need for our students. Yeah, the, it's super helpful, and it's 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 nice that um, we're in a position in Tennessee where both we can lead on this from a policy perspective, and then we have um, a robust set of information that you all, uh, Kevin and Matt, can do this research on to give us the the type of clear direction that I think we uh, we can use from the policy perspective. Laura, any last questions before we let these gentlemen get back to their day? No, I just want to say thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing. I think what is really special about this partnership is that it's been, uh, you know, Matt said he started working um, in this area in Tennessee seven years ago. And I think that this really shows how you can continue to build knowledge and to continue and also to test out you know, really actionable um, policy and actions and programmatic actions, right? So, you know, so providing districts with better information so that they can better select mentor teachers and, you know, create crafting really high quality training programs, but also being adaptable to, um, you know, our changing circumstances with COVID-19 in terms of thinking about how, you know, we always are going to need teachers and how do we, and we always are going to need to prepare beginning teachers and how do we do this in a way that is most effective. Um, so I, you know, I just really thank uh, Matt for the partnership um, on this um, and all, I really, I know it's been a lot more than just Matt, a lot, a lot of graduate students and a lot of people at the State Department of Education, a lot of people in our educator preparation programs around Tennessee and our districts and schools who have prioritized this and allowed um, the researchers to, um, you know, partner with them on this. So I just uh, thank everyone who has, has been involved and I'm looking forward to hearing next um, from, from Kayla Harrison, who is going to talk to us um, about what this works like from her perspective. Matt and Kevin, thanks so much for your work and thanks for being here today. Thanks, thanks so much for having us. Now we're going to welcome to the podcast Kaylor Harrison, who is a fourth grade teacher at Andrew Jackson Elementary in Kingsport. Kaylor, welcome to the 10th period. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. So on this episode, we are talking about early career mentors. Do you have any particularly great mentors as you were first starting out as a teacher? I absolutely do. And first that comes to mind, her name is Dr. Chrissy Turner. And Chrissy started um, 11 years ago as a district ELA instructional coach. And when I was starting out teaching second grade, I felt like she was going in a very innovative direction and wanting to lead our district in a new way. And sometimes change is hard for some teachers. And as a first year teacher, I sort of felt I was at a crossroads of do I kind of go on my own and go towards this more innovative way or do I not change? And she was a tremendous amount of help and support and came in off hours and helped me to build my classroom and helped to push me in some leader roles. And 
she then became our principal actually at our elementary school and I just continued to learn from her um, not only as an educator but just to watch her professionally as an administrator and as she left last year and took a job with the state actually um, she lives in Florida now and she is still someone that I can call on and email and she was wonderful. That's a, it's so important to have those kind of experiences. And it's so nice to be able to continue those relationships over time. I think how cool that she also ended up being your principal. Yes. Uh, so you are now, you've done the training that was talked about in the Mentors Matter brief, and now you're acting um, as a clinical mentor as well. Can you talk a little bit just about those experiences, what you feel like you've learned um, in the training um, and how that is uh, impacted what you're doing as, uh, as a mentor. Yes, so last spring I had the opportunity to take the Mentors Matter training with Kevin. And at the time I had a student candidate that had already been with me from August. And the neat thing about this process is that I didn't really have any formal structure to go by with this candidate um, and they were embarking on a brand new um, I, it's ed tpa is what they call it so through the university they are being required to do a whole new set of expectations right ed tpa is um the so formally and still, um, teacher candidates have to take the praxis, which is sort of a content knowledge assessment. The EdTPA is sort of an in, it's a little bit more of a clinical experience assessment that where you're sort of getting some feedback as a teacher on your ability to teach uh, actually live. You're getting some sort of observational feedback. Is that right? That's the EdTPA? Yes, and the other great thing about it too is that the candidate also has to film herself teaching. And this piece is what I loved. And actually being able to use that example and connect to what we were learning with the Mentors Matter was amazing, especially the GPS reflection guide that we were looking at. We were able to pull up her videos of when she was teaching and then to, to be able to pause and say, here was an area of strength, here was an area that we could maybe think to refine. And so I appreciated that in the spring, she had already had some teaching experience. Then I was able to use a lot of the resources that Mentors Matter provides with a lot of their guides and to then have those conversations with my candidate, it just made it a lot richer. We even developed a deeper relationship as far as trying to make sure that we really honed in on her practice and making sure that she felt comfortable. So the training itself was wonderful to have a teacher candidate and then I was asked to serve as a facilitator this year to help other mentors in our district. And through this process, it's really just opened up a lot more doors and opportunities to help teachers in my homeschool. And to have that experience previously, I think allows for more teachers to relate it's not another, this is what you have to do. This is, a, this is a tool, this is a resource. And 
I am also with another teacher candidate this year. So it's kind of full circle. I, I am facilitating and helping others. And at the same time, I am refining my own practice and using all of these guides myself in my classroom. What do you think is the standard experience of a mentor prior to being part of Mentors Matter? And how does Mentors Matter sort of shift what you get in terms of uh, your own knowledge to be a mentor? I can definitely say from experience that it shifted my mindset from just last year to the beginning of this year and the way that I need to approach the candidate and the way that I need to present myself. And this year has also given us a, another set of challenges. And even in the midst of these challenges, I have stayed true to things that I learned in the training in the spring to really bring more awareness, not only for my own practice, but to put myself in my candidate's shoes. And I think that especially we had our first training yesterday where we were going over some of the guides and talking to the mentors and some are veterans and, and some have been in this in a very long time. And I think that some of them were very appreciative to finally have some sort of framework to work within and to help them stay consistent with other teachers in the district. They were very receptive, which was nice. That's great to hear. Kayla, I mean, you have a full-time job as a teacher. And so taking on the responsibility of being a, a mentor teacher is an additional, you know, responsibility. Why is it something that has been important to you? And what would you say to encourage others um, to take on this role? So I, I try not to look at it as an additional role. I just want it to happen organically. And to be honest, I feel that the group of candidates that they are selecting for our district have been a really great group. And it's been a lot easier to have somebody that comes in already with a professional mindset and they are committed to wanting to be their very best. I feel that the part, especially with the training from Mentors Matter, is the relationship piece. And these candidates are with you all day, every day, and I want for them to have their own space in my classroom. I want for them to feel welcome. I want to do my thinking out loud for them to hear me so that they have an understanding for my day to day. And they, they want, they're, they want to be here and they want to do their best. And so you, you know, treating them almost as an equal is, is my goal. I don't consider it an added burden. And I will be very honest and I tell them at the beginning, you know, I need you to <laughs> help remind me when things are due, but I'll make sure that I am with you every step of the way. But when it comes to calendar times and things that need to be done, I, I need you to take that part on for me. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, we're in this new era around COVID. How are you envisioning effective mentoring and mentor training working moving forward while we're still in the midst of dealing with this pandemic? I, again, have felt very, very fortunate to have someone that has been tech savvy <laughs> during this. Um, in fact, our relationship became 
so much stronger by myself risking vulnerability and being very transparent and saying to her, I want for this to be an equal partnership. There are probably things you're going to be able to teach me. And there are things that are brand new to me. I just want you to know that we're going through this together. And she was wonderful when we had to sit down for our Canvas training. And I am looking at this college platform trying to figure out how do I make this fourth grade friendly. And being able to have a teacher candidate help show me how to do things so that I can be successful. I never once felt that it needed to be this inferior or superior. I wanted us to be on an equal playing field. And then once we got into the classroom setting, you know, that's where I felt, you know, my high of being able to go around and show her everything that I'm so passionate about in my classroom and her getting to learn from me there. Right now we're creating videos and we're trying to push things out for our virtual learners. And I, in fact, just gave her a huge compliment this morning because I was so impressed with her initiative. She's wanting to do some of the vocabulary videos and to be very innovative with Google Slides. And her work has been phenomenal. And I just told her how grateful I am for that. And then I wanted to reach out to the district and say, hey, she's doing a great job with this already. Can we upload some of these videos and let other teachers use them? Um, so yes, this has been a hard and difficult time. I think that when we face Monday, when the students start to come back in and again, we'll have another learning curve where she actually physically gets to see students and you know, we'll have another learning experience then. But I, I have learned just as much from her as she is learning from me. And I think the biggest takeaway with mentors is that every year you need you need to be open to learning more that it just doesn't stop and just because you're a mentor it doesn't mean that you know everything <laughs> so I'm confident that when someone asks your student teacher years from now who their mentors were that had an impact on them that she will say Kayla Harrison was a wonderful teacher who taught me a ton and also helped me feel like uh, we were equals. That's a really important and powerful thing that you've been doing. And so as you get ready to have your kids back, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. I know there's a lot going, I mean, so much going on right now. And um, as a parent of a fourth grader um, and a fifth grader, really, really grateful for everything that you and every teacher across the state are doing to to make this work for our kids. So thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks for Thank training. you, Kayla. Thanks for training future teachers as well. Um, and best of luck to you as your kids come back. I'm sure it's going to be um, exciting as, as much as anything else. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate this honor and being able to come and join. And I look forward to hearing more of these episodes. So thank you. excited to have join us from the Department of Education, Michael Derline, who's the Senior Director for Education, Educator Licensure and Preparation, and Martha Moore, who's the Senior Director of Educator Effectiveness at the department. Michael and Martha, thanks so much for joining us. So we're going to start with a, um, a sort of more personal question. You all were both educators. Um, tell us a little bit about your own uh, mentor experiences, any sort of uh, great experiences that you had. Martha, we'll start with you and then Michael. 
my supervising teacher for my student teaching was a particularly strong biology teacher. Um, and I think when I think about that experience, I learned so much, particularly about how to make relationships with kids. And I have carried that from Mr. Grimes' classroom for many, many years about putting people before paper and thinking about who the kid is as a person first. And I think that's something that he exemplified. Um, I had another experience in a classroom that uh, it was a middle school classroom. And I learned a lot about classroom management from that educator, from her classroom. Um, she ultimately became a director of schools. So I think I probably was with someone who really had a good, strong sense of classroom management, process management. And she really shaped the way I thought about how to organize a classroom. So for me, the mentoring I got through my candidate experiences was really a positive relationship and a positive influence on, on my career. Um, I wish I had more positive things to say like Martha just did, but my experience wasn't the greatest. Uh, you know, I, I, I was in a very, very large high school in Brooklyn, New York. I taught for five years there um, and provided special education services to students. And um, the the mentoring I got was probably less uh, about coaching, uh, less about uh, that and more about getting through the day. And it was focused more on the, the paperwork aspect. And um, <laughs> it, we, I did not feel like uh, the teacher that I was working under was really adequately prepared to provide strong coaching, to be honest. Um, and so that was lacking. And so I found myself looking to other teachers in the building um, and, and I was uh, in an alternative certification program. So I was uh, serving as teacher of record while doing my preparation program. Um, and so I reached out to, to other teachers and, and kind of pulled what I could from them. And I think they were more than willing to provide that support that I, I wasn't really getting from my mentor. Well, so Michael, you're the 20% on this podcast that didn't have a great experience, but probably has been instructive as you've been working on some of this. I know Laura has an opening question, but uh, I'll be interested to hear how your own experience plays into the work you've done too. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on that and say, given the experiences that you all have had and the work that you know you are responsible for at the State Department, knowing what research has been done um, with Matt and Kevin around Mentors Matter and, you know, looking to see how we can make beginning teachers, you know, mentoring experiences more effective. You know, what does that mean for you all and the work that you do? And how do we take what has been found in the research and, you know, put it into action? You know, I've learned a lot. I've, I've been with the department now for almost eight years uh, on this team. And and one thing that I've, I've definitely learned is that um, our preparation providers are, they all have the absolute best intentions in mind and want to do really good work in this space. But sometimes it's a challenge to figure out um, what, what does that best work look like. And so I think one thing that has come out of uh, this IES grant and Mentors Matter work um, is trying to put some structure around what training can look like for clinical mentors. That's just a space that we haven't operated in much. Um, historically in educator preparation, the state has really kind of served in more of a compliance accountability type role. Uh, and this really kind of pushed a, a shift uh, toward quality and, and trying to get information back to educator preparation providers that they can genuinely use to improve uh, their programming. So um, 
prior to the Mentors Matter work, uh, we saw some pretty significant inconsistencies in what training looked like. Uh, and, and in some cases, it, I, I would not have called it training. It was more um, compliance-oriented, providing uh, details about uh, mentor responsibilities, all of which is important. But I think what we've done with this work is, is put a little more structure and content to what high quality coaching of, of adults looks like. Um, and so I, I think that that's starting to catch on and I'm extraordinarily excited for how we can take what we've learned from this project and turn it into a, a more sustainable approach that all EPPs can use and, and hopefully districts can pick up as well. Martha, when you think about the um, experience of, I know you, you work on educator effectiveness and part of that is thinking about team and evaluation. One of the things actually we haven't spent a lot of time on on the podcast is thinking about how, uh, how actually, I think there had been concern um, among potential mentor teachers that being a mentor could harm their own evaluations. But this research found actually sort of the opposite of that, that um, in a lot of cases, or, or on average, um, teachers are, are getting higher observation scores. Just what, as you think about both the effectiveness of the incoming teacher and also the effectiveness of the, the current teacher, what are the things you feel like you've learned and, and that might instruct where the department goes from here? One of my fundamental beliefs about good instruction is that it actually is good coaching. So if you only tell students what they need to know, as opposed to ask students how to think about what they know or don't know or understand or don't understand, you're, you're limiting their ability to self-direct learning. So I think that the team system actually, when implemented well, is based on growth and coaching for the teacher and how the teacher coaches students. Mentors Matter is inherently grounded in the same thing. How are you as a seasoned professional coaching a novice professional and helping them unpack their own thinking about teaching practices. So it makes sense to me that the research would say that, that a teacher who is practicing very concrete coaching skills and being very deliberate about how they're thinking about supporting a novice teacher would inherently be someone who would then turn around and do that with their own students. So to me, the two go hand in hand. So how can the State Department, you know, with the resources that it has and with the responsibilities that it is tasked with, um, take the findings from the work that Matt and Kevin have done mm -hmm. around the fact that, you know, being serving as a, a mentor teacher doesn't lower your evaluation scores and that having more effective teachers serve as mentors leads the, the, those who are you know, are the mentees to go and become more effective. How do we take those findings and act on them? Yeah, that is uh, kind of what we're trying to figure out right now. Uh, Kevin uh, and myself and a, a number of other people, some new folks to the department have been having some pretty substantive conversations about what this next year can look like. Um, and we've been talking about one, trying to uh, identify the best way we can take the, the training that we've developed and refine and turn it into something a, a bit more portable that um, EPPs can, can actually use in their program. And so that's one thing that we plan to do this year uh, in hopes that more folks will have access to this training. Um, otherwise, I think there is also work to be done um, around identifying um, strong mentor teachers and 
um, providing them some sort of incentive to, to continue to serve. And so we've been talking about various credentialing or badging uh, in our licensure system that would kind of flag these folks um, either as those that we have identified through some of um, um, Matt's algorithms or a refinement of those algorithms that suggest that these individuals have the uh, potential to be strong mentors or those who have gone through the training that we've now um, identified as having a, a positive impact on um, candidates and students. Uh, and, and giving them some kind of um, a badge that, that districts can see and, and recognize as um, valuable. And so thinking about that kind of teacher leader space and how mentoring fits into that, I think has been another part of our conversation recently. I would add to that that we're also looking at how to strengthen the guidance we have around strategic compensation and how districts might look at ways to reward teachers in a very specific performance-based pay scale, pay option uh, for serving as a mentor and having certain credentials when they serve in those roles. Martha, that, that's a little bit more of a, a policy implication. Are there any other policy mm -hmm. implications? I mean, Matt talked about the fact that Tennessee was one of the earliest states to adopt um, some set of requirements around uh, teacher effectiveness to be a mentor. Are there other um, policy implications that you all are thinking about? Our office is responsible for reviewing and approving all the educator preparation providers and, and programs in the state. Um, and as part of that, uh, we lean on the CAPE standards, the Council for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation and um, mentor selection and training is most definitely called out in, in that accountability work that we do. Uh, and so we've thought about how um, EPPs could use this training to meet the expectations of that specific part of the CAPE standards. And I think that gives EPPs an incentive to, to do so, um, where instead of having to reinvent the wheel, develop their own training, we can use one that's grounded in research that we've been able to do that, that we know has an impact. Um, and then that allows them to, to meet that, that expectation for their uh, ongoing review. Um, final question from, from me um, overall is just, if you all were to think each about one sort of your your one biggest takeaway from this experience, the research and the experience of going through the Mentors Matter initiative, um, what would that be? I think teachers really want to mentor new teachers. I think that's something that most people want. They want to help a new professional. And so that that eagerness is something that came through clearly as we started working through this training. And then when we said, okay, this training can't be in person, we're gonna chunk it up and we're gonna deliver it to you so you can deliver it to them. They went, okay, we can do this. So every time that we've massaged it in whatever way we've massaged this training to deliver, they have been super receptive and, and really interested both from the EPP side, the, the uh, mentor side to take this on and do it. And the, the ability to take up the coaching skill that, that we actually kind of dissected for them and said, here's how you start the conversation. Here's how you follow up the conversation. Here's what you do next. Here are the tools to use. And you can do this in lots of ways, not just about this one topic and watching them take that, adapt it to their own work and move that forward has probably been my biggest takeaway is that these teachers are ready for this training. They want to support and the more we can give them, 
the more they're going to take and the more they're going to implement in really strong student facing ways and teachers want this learning they know how to turn it over and if we just give it to them they're going to rock with it um i'll admit what i'm about to say is super corny but mentors do matter <laughs> that is that is the biggest takeaway <laughs> from this and you know clinical practice matters getting mm -hmm getting prospective teachers in front of kids and giving them an opportunity to practice, reflect on that practice, get feedback on that practice uh, in, in a high quality way is the space in which we should be really focusing on improving and giving folks the tools to be able to improve their own practice. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time uh, when we do our comprehensive reviews uh, physically, well, hopefully we'll be able to do this in the future, but physically at uh, EPPs and, and visiting schools and seeing current candidates working with mentors. And it is um, extraordinarily exciting to watch, you know, to walk into a classroom and not really know if the person that I'm seeing teaching is a student teacher or a mentor. Um, that is a pretty cool mm -hmm. experience uh, and then when you when you realize that you're watching a, a student teacher and then you watch the mentor and you see that what they're doing is just so impactful on that that prospective educators uh, practice it, it it really is is pretty inspiring so mentors matter um, clinical practice is is uh, definitely a space where I think we need to continue digging into and providing as much support as we can to our providers uh, across the state Martha and Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your schedule to um, help us continue to spread the word about this research um, because we know that it's being used in Tennessee and we expect that it will also be used outside of Tennessee. So we really appreciate all the work that you do and for taking the time to join us on the 10th period today. Happy to. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thank Joe. Well, Aaron, that brings us to the end of another episode of the 10th period. And I know we've been talking about actually doing this episode for quite some time. Um, I just want to encourage all of our listeners to actually check out the Mentors Matter brief that lives on the Terra website. It's called Learning from the Best, Promising Practices and Preparing Tennessee's Future Teachers. And, um, you know, Check it out. It, it goes through the key, the key findings, has some nice graphics and visuals that actually talks you through all of the numbers behind the research that Matt and Kevin were talking about today, and um, mentions you know some of the next steps in terms of policy implications and future research. So just encouraging all of our listeners to check that out. Erin, any key takeaways for you or thoughts um, from the conversations that we have had with our guests today? My biggest takeaway today is the the training of teachers is so critical um and this research has found some very i think in some ways simple things um about the training of teachers that can be implemented well um across the state and um and probably you know to some extent in policy um, and practice so you know one just that having a high quality uh mentor teacher really matters so making sure that the teachers who were putting in these positions to train the next generation are our best teachers, that that's gonna produce more and more of our best teachers. And that's all I think anybody really wants, right? And then the experience both for uh, the mentee and the mentor um, is, it, it seems is a more positive one in that environment, right? So, um, you know, uh, Kayla talked a lot about sort of her own growth and the partnership and some of the things that she felt like 
um, she learned. And then it, it does seem like um, there's a need for a good framework for training mentors. And I, it's good to see that the state has that. I think it'll be really interesting to see what the findings are, um, are from that. Um, but the emphasis on this work um, and particularly on making sure that we just have the, our highest quality teachers training the next generation of teachers just seems so critical to me, um, both from the policy perspective and frankly, as a parent, uh, it just really makes a difference. The cycle is so important. How about you, Laura? Yeah, I keep thinking back to um, my niece and what she said around everything I learned. I learned from my uh, mentor teacher that she spent, you know, uh, you know, multiple, um, you know, kind of a whole entire semester with um, getting advice, watching the way that that person taught and then was carrying is Kaz carried that into her own practice as now a teacher responsible for her own classroom. I really enjoyed hearing um, from Matt about like the potential future of taking this research around providing trainings to uh, mentor teachers and thinking about how can we make it virtual? How can we make it something that is more widespread? I think a lot of times, um, you know, the previous status quo has been to ask people to be mentor teachers and whoever raised their hand was the person who was the mentor teacher. So, you know, using data, using algorithms, thinking more strategically about who those people should be, because I think hearing from everyone describing their own successful or not so successful mentoring experiences today, we hear the power of those experiences and not only in just how effective people might be as beginning teachers but also in whether even maybe they choose to stay in teaching whether they felt like they were supportive and whether they feel like they're being effective all influences whether or not they continue to stay in the profession so i think that this is why this is a huge lever and continuing to do research in this space really is valuable yeah i i I hope that we can tag uh, on Twitter as many of those um, mentor teachers that folks talked about as we can, because um, you know some of those teaching uh, training experiences happened you know 15, 20 years ago, and everybody remembers it like it was yesterday. That shows just how important these relationships are. Um, mine, mine were 15 years ago, and I can think Miss Goss, Miss Amos, Mr. Whitfield. I mean, like I can think, you know, I still remember all all of those names. So yeah, I love that idea, and I. I I really, you know, appreciate everyone taking the time to chat with us about this today. Yeah, and, and the last thing I would say is that this is a long-running research practice partnership, right? So the the folks that were on this call today all are working together regularly on this. And Tara is an umbrella research practice partnership for these types of things. But um, I also feel like I learned some things about the way that doing research and practice really can work well. Um, so that ends another episode of the 10th period. Um, we'll look forward to uh, a couple episodes upcoming on um, the Tennessee Educator Survey. Um, we'll have um, some other things that we talked about today around, uh, around training that we might be able to do more on. Um, so we'll look forward to seeing everyone back here uh, in the near future. And Laura, as always, thanks for, um, for being with us. Thanks, Erin. Thank you everyone for listening. Take care.